mixer. <clears throat> well, if you'd seen me yesterday, you would go, why am I even in this class? I was, um, <clears throat> I'm really stressing out. And not, not from this class necessarily, although I always think to myself, what would Jen do? Because <laughs> it's rare that I'm so challenged by someone else's teaching style, I go, if I could just somehow channel her. Um, so we're recording her. I've got her. No, I'm kidding. Um, so last night, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Australia for three weeks, and I've got to do like lectures every day, all different for all different cities. And it's stressing me out, honestly. So, so I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm preparing this. And when I get stressed, my go-to is to get more geeky. Okay, I mean, that's my go-to. So, so then it's like, well, we could exegete a little bit here in the Greek and Hebrew. And, we could, and I'm thinking, you know, that's the very thing that I'm teaching takes us astray, you know, in some ways from connecting with God. So I'm sitting there at my desk last night. And I hadn't even started, okay? I mean, I had, I was like, and, and I just find, I said, okay, so I'm supposed to be, Jesus, I said, I, I just have to tell you, I am stressing out, and I'm ready to go to my, my backup plan, which is get geeky, and I'm really sorry. And can I, can I count on you? And he goes, you count on me every day. <laughs> he kind of said, you live that way. You think I'm going to let you down now when you're, actually asking me instead of, and I go, okay, I, that's, that's good. And I said, well, now that I'm here, can I count on you in Australia? And he brings me this verse about from the ends of the earth, I cried unto you. And he, he, he does this joke about Australia being the ends of the earth. And I literally started laughing. I mean, I'm just like, you're hilarious. I mean, you're, you're hilarious. And, and I really hadn't been having a great day and I felt kind of guilty about it. And he said it, and, and I felt like, so, so I'm sitting at my desk just connecting with God. And that's what we're trying to just learn how to do more and more. And, and I, I felt like he said, oh, I've been meaning to tell you. It's kind of like, I've been meaning to tell you, but you haven't connected with me in a while. I've been meaning to tell you. And he told me something about, about this stuff. Oh, you guys, I guess some of you are here for the first time, but you'll just have to catch up. Um, so we have been talking about, about uh, us being kind of three-part beings, that I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. There's three or four of you here for the first time. I'm going to talk like a Yankee on drugs for 30 seconds to get us all caught up. So, so, um, so my soul sits in the middle. So when Adam was created, he said he breathed the spirit into him. He, he became a soul, had a body. So my body connects with the external world. My soul is my inner consciousness and my spirit is my God consciousness. And, and all three of those are to live together and God's plan is that we live from the inside out so that our spirit which is comprised of conscience intuition and communion um, is a good way of thinking about it when we live out of communion with God conscious of not just right and wrong but of life and death things that bring life things that bring death and intuition we we get a sense of what God wants and we don't know why we know but we know so yesterday I was at a store, I didn't know why I knew, but I knew, called a girl, said, hey, I've been thinking about you, blah, blah. We got into a long conversation about her life and her career, and immediately I was like, I need to call my friend Aaron Stokes, who runs all these Eurofix stores everywhere. And I called him and said, Aaron, I need to get a car for somebody. He goes, I've got a car. I don't know what to do with it. Somebody didn't pay their bill and, and left me a car. And so I'm like, 
wow, you know, this is great. So having these, these connections. So um, anyway, but so I'm sitting last night feeling guilty about things. And, and God said to me, he said, you know, um, I think I have that. No, I don't. He said, you know, remember we were talking about Romans 8, and it said the mindset in the spirit is life and peace. The mindset in the flesh is death. And it talks about how we, on purpose, set our minds on the things of the spirit versus setting our minds on the things of the flesh. The soul in the middle, the mind, will, and emotions, is not a great originator, but it's a good analyzer. And when we live out of our brain, we're good analyzers, but there's nothing that, that's, that is that fresh. There's just sort of reconfigured old stuff. Okay, and God intends for us to live out of the spirit, input from the spirit. He's not human and his first language is in English, but if we're okay with that, then he finds ways of connecting with us. Then our souls go, huh, okay. And then our souls, which is, is like the steward, okay, I've been waiting for you. The next slide is your question from last week. Okay, I stalled long enough. Let's just go on now. Uh, no, and, and so, so God says, look, the mindset on the flesh isn't death because I bring death into your life, because I punish you. It's death by its very nature. In other words, that's what he's saying to me last night. He said, Andy, you think that when you turn to the flesh, I punish you. I don't punish you. I'm still your biggest fan. If you mess up sexually, you mess up in your head, you mess up with your temper, you mess up with your kids, I'm not punishing you. There is therefore now no condemnation. Remember that part? No condemnation. But death plays out of those things. Death is the natural result of living that way. But I am sitting with you here going, let's beat it. I can help you. I'm your biggest fan. Right? And so when we see God as our biggest fan, Josh is speaking this morning, he said, he said some of us see God as, as the punisher, or as the, the one where if you take a misstep and you go, where did I learn that? But God sits here and says, look, I'm your biggest fan. My, I want to lead you to live out of life so that things that come out of you produce life in you and in those around you. And it does it naturally. It doesn't do it because you've got to work it up. Trees don't go, oh, i got to get another apple out. Oh, this is such a struggle. It just happens, right? And so God's desire is, is when we live out of the Spirit, the natural byproduct is life, whatever life is. And so remember, the tree wasn't the, the it was a life and death situation. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the knowledge of right and wrong, but everything about that tree was death, okay? Everything about it. And we think if I know right from wrong, I'm good. And God says, no, because you're still over here in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And even the knowledge of good, when operated out of self-strength, is going to lead to death. This is a kind of a crazy concept. And he's like, look, I don't want you playing in this field. I want you playing in the field where life is the natural byproduct of how we live. Okay, that, and so we're... we're we're talking, and that sounds somewhat like gobbledygook, but you read Romans and your only conclusion is, yeah. And so we've been talking then about, so we set our mind on the spirit, or we set our mind on the flesh, or we set our mind on the mind, and that's, and we talked about three kinds of Christians, right? Uh, sarkikos, I cannot talk to you as spiritual men, but as men of the flesh, sarkikos men, 
Psychikos, the natural man, doesn't accept the things of the spirit. They're foolishness to him. That's the psychological man. And then pneumaticos, it says, but the, the spirit man uh, understands the things of God because they're freely given to him by God. But the natural man, it seems foolish to him. And so in many church circles, we've looked at the Sarkikos man and said, that's horrible, those people are sinners, above them. And we, we reside here in the Sarkikos man, and we're still frustrated about our walks. We're, we feel like we don't know God, it feels religious, it feels, it feels analytical, it feels contrived. And so we try harder. And God is like, stop, you, no, I don't want you to try harder. I want you to slide over here in the spirit and let all that cool stuff you've learned serve life. Let it, let it be the steward of life, not the originator of, of good, okay? So that's, that's where we are. So, so Janabeth asked the question of, well then how do we hear God practically? And I'm, I don't wanna spend a lot of time in there because I wanna turn the corner this week and next week and then I'm gone for three weeks and, and Jeannie and Jen and Mike are gonna <clears throat> do fun things that we're, we're still thinking through. Um, but um, people have asked, and there's an 11-page handout that you can download about some of this stuff if you want to. If you can't sleep, guaranteed, better than Psalmonix. Um, I like to think of, and neuroscience backs us up, that we have three screens on the inside in our souls. Remember, our souls are Grand Central Station. Everything that comes in, our soul has to decide what to do with, even God. If God appears to you, your soul still has to decide what to do with that. Sometimes fainting is the best move, but your soul still has to decide what to do with that, okay? And so, and so here are the three screens. So we've got senses and drives. That is the voice of the body. So I'm grilling hamburgers for Life Group tonight, and you, the, the senses hopefully we go, Man, yeah, you know, the senses of the body. So senses and drive. Senses, the five senses are eight if you're now a, a modern scientist. Um, and the drives, sex drive, fight or flight. Okay, so your body, if, if trauma is about to occur, your body goes into Tyrannosaurus Rex mode and all of the things you learned, the seven steps to fighting fair in a marriage, you can't even access those anymore, you're so mad, okay? You're just, you're back in the, in the back of your brain. Okay, so then you have the, the screen of memory and analysis, and, and that screen remembers stuff, it can calculate, it remembers algebra, and then there's some trauma, and then uses algebra to calculate your payoff on your house, you know, and, and whatever, but so senses, so memory and analysis. So if I can say to you, hey, remember your, your best Christmas What's your favorite Christmas present? Hey, tell me about your mom. You know, all of those things. You go to that screen and sometimes you close your eyes because sometimes that screen plays out on the visual cortex in our brain and that visual cortex can only play one thing at a time unless you're a woman. Um, but for men, one thing at a time. And so um, you close your eyes to remember. Why? Because if you're looking, your brain has to go chick, 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 and between what you're seeing and what you're, so daydreaming is what? You're getting off into something that is not your, your eyes input and then all of a sudden you swerve into the right lane and you think, okay, I need to stop doing that. Okay, so we can be distracted. So memory and analysis is the other screen. And then there's a screen of imagination and impression. So if I say to you, don't remember your best Christmas, but make up a fantasy Christmas that would be 
crazier than you could ever dream, you can go, oh yeah. And you know, all of a sudden you're, you're in Switzerland, I don't know, where, but, but you're, and I say, wait, go to the moon. Right, put on a moon suit and go to the moon. And, and if, you, if you have an active imagination, or you're under like 12, um, then you can go, yeah, and you're bouncing. And so your imagination is, is one of the screens as well. So when we look at these screens and we look in terms of, of starting with our skin and working into the center of our being, the screen on the right is the, is the outer screen. It gets stuff from the world. The screen in the middle is, our, is, is in the middle of our soul. It gets stuff from our mind, from our memory. Okay? The screen on the left is at the very bottom of our soul and it gets input from who knows where, from our mind, but it also is a direct input channel from God, from our spirit. If you want to think of it, the heart is like soil at the bottom of our soul and, and our imagination, it's called the eyes of our heart in Ephesians, our imagination is watered from underneath, from things that bubble up in our spirit, just like the garden was in Eden was watered from underneath. Okay, it's the same sort of picture. Yeah, it's good. And yeah, I think about it sometimes um, in terms of creativity also. Yeah. Like where does that come from? When yeah. think about those people who were inspired to write in the classical period or to paint. Yeah. Where does that come from? It's yeah. Connecting somewhere deeper like that. So yeah. imagination and fashion, but also for me, be like when something created that you can't. Yeah. You, how, did I, how did I come up with that? You know, I think that's uh-huh. Yeah, Einstein's dream. You go, okay, so how, where, did that, where did that come? And, and so there's all kinds of theories about where that comes from. And, and if you're a scientist, then the only thing you can work with is the brain and how the brain functions. Because you, you there's nothing else that you could say. So you could say, okay, so there's latent consciousness and, and, and you have the firing of neurons and they fire in a certain way. And, and, and if you don't think about it, then it can come because you're not forcing your brain and your cerebral cortex, but you're letting your amygdala start to work and the emotion. I mean, so, so you can, because honestly, there is, something does happen in the brain but we as Christians go, yeah, but I don't think that's all there is. You know, it, it's not just meat. Okay, what I think. What do you mean by impression? Can say that a little more? So an impression might be something. So you look at someone, and 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 if your if your if your mind is kind of set on the spirit, you you kind of always have one ear saying, God, like you walk, uh, like Jen would say, you walk into Kroger and you say, God, what are you doing here right now? And it's not like you're. You know, but you just think, God, if there's anything you want to show me in Kroger, I'm all, I'm all ears. And you're just walking and you're doing your thing. But, but in the back of your head, you're saying, I'm sensitive to an impression. And so you come up to the checkout and an uh, older woman is fumbling for money and she doesn't have enough. And you go, God. And the person goes, oh, oh yeah, okay, it's all paid for. Off they go, you pay for it. And you go, cool, you know? You, so you see what God is doing. And, and it might be just a little thing. It might be you take a risk. It might be nothing. I mean, God is always doing something, but it might be he doesn't need you to help out in that particular thing, okay? And so we walk that way. We walk with an ear toward an impression, a sense, a thought. And we might miss it, you know? It, it, that's okay. Remember the story of the road to Emmaus? So, so they're walking with the risen Lord, and they're talking. And they, did they know they were walking with the risen? No, they, 
no. But they were like, wow, this is a great, you know, and they're, they're having this great conversation and they break bread and all of a sudden they go, <gasps> and Poofy's gone. And then they think back and they go, were not our hearts burning within us? Huh. In other words, our hearts were burnt, you know, it, it's like the, the heart is the bottom and it's like there was so much spiritual input coming in, it just lit our hearts. It, it was like, whoa, okay? And so, so we might, we might be connecting with God and, and stuff, and, and God says, look, I want you to have ears to hear. Remember, in Ephesians, it's, I think I'm going to show that in a minute, so we'll come to it. So these, so these three screens, so God can then touch that screen with an impression of something. And so all of a sudden, you see someone, or you, you know, however it works, and you go, huh, and, and there's a picture playing kind of in, in the back of your mind, or there's a, a sudden thought or sense. And because we're Christians, we have the spirit. That, that screen plays whether we focus on it or don't focus on it. So all of us have experienced, a, you know, I think God might want me to give to that. You know, we, we all have experienced that. So the point isn't that, that anyone is better than anybody else. The point is, is that we can do a Romans 8 thing and set our minds on the things of the Spirit. That is, set our focus. We can go through life and never focus on the Spirit and be, be Christians and, and read the Word and study the Word and try to live out the Word, and, that, and that's, that's great. But God says, I've, I've actually given you a, a secret weapon here. You've, there's a switch on the dash and wings come out. You know, it's like, it's like the Batmobile. Whoa, you know, all of a sudden you're going, right? And, and so it's sort of, God says, look, I've, I've, the only thing that, and I've said this before, but the thing that differentiates us from the rest of the world is not doctrine, it's not we speak English, it's that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. That is the only thing that makes us different from Hindus, from, from anybody else. That, that's it. And, and you would think, Okay, so that thing that God gave us, that he dwells inside of us, God has taken up his abode in us, that should mean more than maybe it does in my life. What else should that mean? And you start to read scripture with an eye toward that, and you go, holy cow. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How do you know someone's a Christian? Well, that scripture says, because they're led by the Spirit of God. Not that they're good guys, not that they attend church. It says they're led by the Spirit of God. That's, I mean, there's lots of things, but that's one thing. Okay? So these, these screens are going on. And so, <clears throat> so then the idea of this is I want to begin to train my ears and train my senses more and more without penalty, without pass-fail, without anything, I want to begin to train myself to sense the presence of God in real time. We have this philosophy that I don't know where it came from that, you know, we pray and, 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 and it's going to take, you know, months to hear God. And, and, and maybe for the kinds of questions like, what should I do with the rest of my life? You know, it might. But if we just ask God simple yes or no questions, God, would it be okay if questions, Jesus, I'm afraid of this interview. Will you be with me? then, I mean, all of us go, well, of course the answer is yes. I mean, what a dumb question. But the dumb question was to get you into the presence, not to hear yes. Will you be with me? And then you settle into his presence. 
And then who knows what the heck happens? I have had stories for, will you be with me? And he gives me a, a readout of the person's life I'm going to interview with. I mean, he just gives me a sense of, of what the driving force in this guy's life is. We're in this interview and he goes, you seem detached. And I go, I just see you. Don't cry. Stop it. I just see you as a kid uh, playing in Lake Erie. And I think that you want to make, he's the head of the whole water system for Cleveland, okay, 61 cities. I said, I think that, that you're afraid before you retire, we're not going to clean up the lakefront. And he goes, I'm quoting you, how the hell did you know that, right? And I said, you know, Holy Spirit doesn't need you to say, well, God told me. I mean, that's sometimes a huge put off. And I just said, it just seemed that way. And he goes, let's do lunch, okay? And so you just go, wow, okay, so what did God do? And the end result was, you know, a whole new organization that is cleaning up Lake Erie. So you go, okay, so God can do that big things, little things, next door things. If we start small, if we start with money, if we start with that which belongs to another, then he gives us our own. Then we grow. And so we start in little ways. Yeah. Tell me if I'm getting ahead, but coming out of, a, of our faith tradition, we were head focused, knowledge focused, and there was, and we came out of a modern era which you had to prove everything. Yeah. And so when you start stepping in these, in this arena, and this way of thinking, it, it's, it's more mystical. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, and mystical is a good word, but it's like mystical and imagination have gotten a bad rap now, yeah, so, yeah. you know, we well, just can't. I guess let me define mystical. It's something that we can't always explain. Yes. That's what I mean by mystical. And so, um, but I think what can help us there is that God will only lead us to life and to share life. You know, so if we're wondering if something is right, and then we do it, what did it, what were the results yeah. that brought it? And, uh, and to me, that's, that's what's been helpful to me in the process because I have a tendency, if I can't understand, to back off. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people who chose life were martyred. So <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like the results are you become the CEO of something. But, but you're, you're absolutely no, right. Yeah, and you weren't, you weren't saying that. I'm talking about prosperity thing. I'm talking about yeah. just... If he's prompting you to do something, you're wondering, <clears throat> should I do this? Right. So, so let me just say that it is never about performance. Never. God, God is not on a performance scale. God is on a heart scale. And if, you, and if you are the clumsiest follower of God who ever existed, but you have a heart that says, God, I just want to do what you want, he can make the clumsiest thing turn out to be a miracle I mean, he didn't need loaves and fishes. He could have used an RC coal and a moon pot and still fed the 5,000. It, it, it didn't matter, okay? And so he takes our little clumsiness and our heart that desires him. And if you say, God, I want to know you. I want to hear you. My heart is to obey you. But more than to obey you, my heart is to know you. Remember Paul said, I count everything as lost that I might know him. Everything, everything is lost. I've given up everything to know him, not to exp just to know him. And that's what we're after. We're saying, God, I want to know you. 
I want the eyes of my heart to be open. I want to live in your presence. I want to close my eyes and go, like, you know, John always says, I close my eyes and I'm in the lap of Papa God. And it's the best ever, Scott. Because I just to, to help, my, one of the things that um, I think might help people who might be struggling with this, uh, my default is yeah. the dead guy. And, and mine, mine is. Um, the, the, te- the test is taste and see that I'm good. You know, yeah. Like, like what Mike was saying is that we might feel uncomfortable with it, but there's something that re- resonates on the inner yeah. part, the, the inner core, that it's relational. It's not about performance. And you may like, I don't know how that was supposed to help, but I felt like you wanted me to do it, and I yeah. don't have to know, but why I feel closer to you because of that. And there's no way to really uh-huh. measure that, and people feel uncomfortable with that, but you definitely know when you have responded and you, um, yeah. you yield the, the closeness that you feel to God, and then later maybe you get a chance to see, oh, he used me in, in this way. And it wasn't about the performance, mm-hmm. but it was about the relationship. Yeah. And it should, it should yield humility. The worst thing that could ever happen is this sense of there are super Christians and then not super. That, that, you know, if that comes out of any of what we're teaching here, I'm going to shut her down, you know, because what it should yield is, oh, God, that you would use me. Holy cow. And, and one of the things I think that I've, I've done with working with younger kids lots of times is that I try to say, you know, God's not afraid of your questions. Yeah. And he will answer if you put him to the test to say, um, you tell me I'm supposed to live this way. And it looks like I'm going to lose if I become a servant to others. It looks like people are mm. going to walk over me. And that's his way. <clears throat> yeah. My Try ways it. are not, He's not afraid. your He's ways. He's not afraid of your questions or your doubts. Yep. Sometimes I think we're afraid to show God that we doubt that he can use me. Uh, I, I, think that a, yep. I think that that's a, a lie. That, that is intended to keep us from allowing the power of the Spirit to work through us. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, this walk is fraught with lots of suggestions to bail out. I mean, it just is. Because, honestly, Satan's, I think, more afraid of people who, who have given themselves to just hear God and do what he says. Um, and, and really, I, I would say if you were to ask everybody in this church, every single person here would say, yeah, I want to hear God and do what he says. So, so it's, it's, everybody wants to do that. I think what we're saying is that, is that... Sorry, but you have to follow through. When you do get the opportunity, you have to say, yes, I'm ready, let's do it. You know, whatever you're asking, you do it. Yes, uh, and most... You see his power. Yeah. And, it, I mean, like you got choked up just from talking about it. I mean, that's the power. That's a cool... Thing. Yeah, um, and again, I think I just I just want to be so careful. When we came to this church, I was you know I come from kind of a more crazy background, and and we sat in the back, and I was there to comfort my mother-in-law whose husband died. And the first sermon Josh preached, I'm sitting in the back thinking a Church of Christ, and and all of that baggage that goes in your head that is all gone now, by the way. Um, and Josh preaches a sermon, how to be a responsible, charismatic, and I'm like. Are you kidding me? And then I saw how this church focuses on the stuff on the final exam. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. I'm like, I love this place. And then I meet that one, Sparky, and she comes up, (laughs) hugs me and cries and says, we need your book in this church. Um, And I'm like, oh, man, God. Um, So so, um, step one, we on purpose, Romans 8, 
change our orientation to the spirit, okay? Set our minds. So I'm going to say, God, whatever that means, I'm going to set my mind on the things of the spirit and my, my goal is real-time communication with you. Real-time communication with you. Just like Jesus walked. He said, as I walk, I'm sending you in the world in the same way. I only do what I hear the Father saying. That's what I do. I speak what I hear the Father saying. And I'm giving you the, and, and this is all explained that handout, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit so that it goes, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, a million Holy Spirit-filled Christians. Stick that in your pipe, Satan. Right? Okay. What's that verse? So that's uh, Romans 8, 5, 6, 5, 6. Um, so then we have uh, the other things in Romans 8. And those give us the, other, the next three steps that we're taking. Okay? So... Um, if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, so um, we don't do it by the soul. I'm just going to grit my teeth. I'm going to do four steps. I'm going to go. We go by the Spirit. I have leverage to change my life. And I'm doing it by putting things to death. But I'm doing it because I am already a new creation. I'm already not being condemned. I'm already a son of God. So from that position of strength, out of the spirit, I'm putting to death the deeds of the body. And I'm, he who began a good work in me, he'll complete it. I'm just saying, God, what are we working on today? What is the thing you're working on in my life? Like he's stirring you up to hear the spirit. I mean, he's like, you're like on the, the on-ramp and it's exciting to see what's gonna happen in your life. I mean, it, it is. I mean, it's just, it just comes out of that corner. Okay, secondly, being led by the Spirit. So by the Spirit, we point to death, the deeds of the flesh. That's what freedom prayer is all about, that ministry is, is doing step two. Step three is, so we seek to be led by the Spirit at all times, not just for hard things, but for good things as well, for daily things, for conversations. You get into a conversation and your mind goes, I mean, you don't go, Holy Spirit, God, help me right now. I'm at lunch. You know, you, you just, you're just saying, God, you abide in me, and because we live in the same house, you're sitting at the table with me. Because we live in the same house, you're going to Australia with me. We, you abide. We abide together. We, live to, we hang out together. All the members of the Trinity. I don't have to only hang out with Jesus, but the Father's too scary, right? The Holy Spirit's too wispy and mysterious. No, all the members of the Trinity play a role in my life. They, they all abide in us. And, and the, because of that, then four, the spirit inside of us says, the one thing you should cry out is Abba. If you don't say, if you don't do anything else, the one thing I want you to know, if you forget everything else, the one thing is call him Pops. In other words, I want you to have this unbelievable familiarity with God the Father where you don't have to knock. You don't have to say, God, oh my. You just say, oh, Abba, what's happening? He's like, come on, get in my lap. Noogie's on the head. See, when we, when we see that Jesus is the best picture of the Father ever taken, and Jesus was like, children loved him. Sinners hung out with him, preferably. Maybe dogs too. You know, he, he, he got in two big table-turning brawls over 
people trying to do religious profiteering, yet he loved sinners. He, he loved, they, they, loved, they would sit. He was called a drunken and a glutton. The first miracle was to make sure the celebration could continue and he made wine, yet he did all of it without compromise. All of it without compromising morality or truth, and yet he lived in a world led by his father. And he's saying, I want you to do that too. And I want you to know that God the Father is your hugest, he is the crazy father in the stands who's going, yeah, you hit a home run. Well, it was just a single, but it felt like a home run. You know, he's that guy, right? <clears throat> and so when we see the father, you know, I mean, John could come up here and just talk for another hour. Um, when we, the, the biggest issue in our lives for most Christians is God the Father seems not like that, right? So those are the four things. So I want, to, I want to move on, and I want to give us a couple scriptures, and then next week we're going to come right back here. I'm always way too aggressive. But next week is going to be all practical practicality. Next week, no more scripture. Well, it'll be scripture, but it'll be all exercises, and I'll give you three or four different ways. Um, so if it was hard to connect with God, then only mystics could do it, only doctors of religion could do it, but it's not. In fact, God says just the opposite. He said he's chosen the poor to be rich in faith. To be, the reason rich should give to the poor is so they can buy faith, honestly. It's an exchange. If you want more faith, hang out with the poor. A good way to hang out with the poor is to take your wealth and do things with it among the poor. And you will be the richer, because it's an exchange. Okay. So God says, draw near to me. So, so if, if we just close our eyes, if we could, let's just do that just for a second. Okay, just close your eyes and just, just say, um, Jesus, can I draw near to you? And will you draw near to me? And just see what you feel and sense. Okay, just kind of do that inside. It will take a minute. Okay, um, so what, what things did you feel or hear, good and bad? Struggles, distance, just, just popcorn a few things. Yeah, John? You're smiling. <laughs> I want. Now, this is a guy who's on his honeymoon. I mean, he is on his honeymoon with God right now. It's awesome. Any other thoughts? Any, any struggles like, well, I did that, but, you know. I mean, I was like two years struggling with, God, will you draw near to me? Gee, look at the time. You know, I mean, that was sort of my life. Because I was so in my head. So what other, just popcorny things. Good, good and different. Uh, weird thought popped up. I thought of a dragon. You know, I thought of a dog. Um, 
Anybody on this side? Yeah, Franklin. I just, um, that picture came back to me of the one you showed. We were showing three screens of Jesus holding that guy behind him. And just oh, yeah. Felt Jesus, kind of that same, the hood almost on, just kind of close, holding like that. And that hasn't always been the case. It has been easy for me to do sometimes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, anybody else just want to pop around? Yeah. I felt that same comfort, like him embracing me, saying, I got this. And there were several things coming to my mind of yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, anybody else good? It's funny that you mentioned time because I felt, oh, we only have a minute to do this. Like, <laughs> the rush of that. I hate that. Something came back to, to mind for me is that, like, I'm the author of everything. I'm the author of time. I exist outside of time. And when you're with me, um, it's as if no time passed. And I'm, I'm reading through Chronicles of Narnia mm-hmm. um, with, with one of my daughters. And when they go to Narnia, to this special place, no time passes. Oh, sure. wow, yeah. And so it was just a really neat, along the theme of becoming, we have to become like mm-hmm. children again, and that fantasy world that yeah. exists in literature that's so wonderful. Like, there's something that resonates mm-hmm. even <clears throat> in our hearts. Like, when we when we spend that time, it's, you never end up feeling like that was a waste of time. Like, what happens is that the efficiency for the rest of the day and how filled you are like there's always more time yeah. to get closer to mm-hmm. so, we, so we start with wherever we are, and it's 1045, so I got to quit. We start with just whatever, whatever happens. And it's, and it's okay for you to say, we have an imagination both as a tool and as a receptor. And so you could say, I'm going to go to my favorite beach, and I'm just going to sit, and I'm going to say, God, could we draw near here? And God's like, I'm cool with that. I am so cool. What we don't do is to say, okay, now now imagine Jesus, and, and he's playing catch with you like your father never did. We never use guided imagery. We never make, because when you do, Satan's like, yeah, I'll play this game. But, and, and even if it's just, it's just a feeling, when you return there, then the feeling becomes something else. Then, and so we start very simple. It's like you teach children, yes, no. She's, oh, yeah, da-da, mama. You know, that's it, that's it. So we cry out, da-da. Okay, the first thing the Holy Spirit teaches us is to cry out, da-da, because we're babies in this. But the more we just sit and we just, God, then we kind of feel like the the stuff's getting cleared out, the channel's kind of getting, you know, and, and, and when we pursue God, we say, God, I'm after you, and if all I get is da-da for a year, I'm good with that because I'm not looking for knowledge. I'm looking for life. And then God says, man, I thought you'd never ask. And it just starts to grow from there. It starts to, and, and you don't say, thus saith the Lord. You, you, that's not where this goes. In Acts 15, they are trying to answer the biggest question of faith ever. Uh, do they have to be circumcised or not? Grace or, or law? I mean, and everybody was there. Everybody was there in this council of Jerusalem. Everybody was there seeking God, seeking God. And they write this letter back, what they heard. And what they heard was, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to write this to you. And you go, wait, these are like the big guys, and it seems good. And God says, yeah, and that was okay with them because they had the peace. It it seemed good to me, to them. when they sought me, it seemed that I was saying this to them, and they felt peace about that, so they were okay with it. And we can be that way, too. We, we don't have to get, you know, 
Next Tuesday at 7 o'clock, you'll meet a tall, dark stranger who will have a check made out to you, but he doesn't know how to spell your name. You know, sometimes you get weird stuff like that, but, but usually it, it's, it's we're learning Dada and Mama. We're learning life and death. We're learning direction and, and sense. And if we honor that flow, remember Jesus said, if anyone will come to me out of their belly, will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. When we learn, what we're doing is we're learning to honor that flow. It's there all the time. It's coming out of every single believer, and we're learning to honor it. We're learning to say, God, I'm going to honor this thing that's coming out of me. I'm going to put weight on it. Teach me. I need my mind transformed from a logic-driven or emotion-driven thing to one that's led by you in peace and intuition. Okay, we really do need to go. I have nothing else to do but meet my wife and go home and get ready for you guys coming over tonight for dinner. So I can stay here as long as I want. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. so thank you, Lord. Thanks for this. Amen. Okay.